Welcome to Bought at a Price. Thank you so much for taking time to listen. Our mission is to take you on a redemptive journey towards understanding the way that God views your body, your lifestyle, and your role in His kingdom. And here, we're committed to bringing you solid biblical wisdom combined with practical, science-backed lifestyle tips to help you care for yourself spiritually, mentally, emotionally, and physically. Again, thank you for listening. Hello. So today we're going to be talking about the tabernacle and the temple of God and really just fast forwarding through these to get an overview of them in the Bible. These two buildings are mentioned a lot in scripture. And you might wonder, why would God put so much information about a tabernacle and a temple in the Bible? Do these details even matter today? I mean, after all, these buildings were built thousands of years ago. Well, like I said, we are going to fast forward and really take a high-level view. And I hope that this high-level view helps you understand God's purpose for these two buildings. Because the tabernacle and temple, they're really important to who you and I are as women of God. They have a significant role in God's forever plan of dwelling with his people. And if you believe that Jesus Christ is Lord, then the Old Testament tabernacle and temple are steps along a path that lead you and me, a path that leads all God's children to becoming his temple. So, tabernacle before we open scripture, if you have listened to Bought at a Price podcast before, you know I'm a fan of definitions. So we need to look at the Hebrew and the Greek meanings for the word tabernacle first. And both in Hebrew and Greek, tabernacle pretty well means a dwelling place or home, or to dwell in camp or pitch one's tent. And in the Old Testament, you'll see tabernacle, the tent of meeting, and the temple of God used. And in the New Testament, you frequently see tabernacle translated as dwell. And when you see these words, you need to think about God's presence dwelling there. All right, our temple journey in the beginning. From the very beginning, God had a plan to dwell with his people. And in the beginning, there wasn't a need for a tabernacle or temple, since God could meet with his image bearers in the garden. But sin happened, and sin plus God, those two things don't mix. Sin meant that God could no longer meet face to face with his people. God and his image bearers were now separated by sin. But there's good news. So we're going to fast forward to Exodus. Excuse me. The book of Exodus is about God freeing his people from bondage and leading them to the promised land. As Israel was trekking through the wilderness, God gave Moses instructions for building a tabernacle, a place where God could once again dwell among his people. It was kind of like Eden 
Only instead of a garden, we've got a portable tent and God's image bearers are in the middle of the wilderness. If you've gone through a wilderness season, you know these can be times when you become intimately acquainted with God. And like us, Israel's time in the wilderness taught them who God was and who they were to God. This was part of God's purpose for the tabernacle, but it also provided a way for God's people to atone for their sins, and this meant that God could dwell with his people as they journeyed 40 years to the promised land. This set Israel apart from the surrounding nations because no other, quote, God dwelt with the people who worshipped it. But the one true God, our God, He's a relational God, and the tabernacle meant that he could once again dwell with his image bearers. There are so many other purposes for the tabernacle, but we're going to cover those over the coming weeks. Remember, today we're taking a high-level view, and we're fast-forwarding through Scripture. So, we're going to hit fast-forward again and look at what the temple of God was for. This lands us in the Promised Land with Israel and King David. After many years, David had decided God needed a better dwelling place than a tent. But God had other plans and told David that his son, not David, would build the temple and that David's family would sit on the throne forever. Remember that part. When Solomon built the temple of God, Solomon, that's David's son, it was called a, quote, house of prayer for all nations. God was dwelling with his people and extending his love and care to anyone who came to worship him. Once again, it's almost like the relationship God had with his image bearers in Eden. But like those first image bearers, Israel sinned and rebelled against God. They ended up captured, drug out of the promised land, and the temple destroyed. Back and forth, the story of Israel and God's temple goes. Sin Repent, rebuild, but by the end of the Old Testament, we're left wondering if it's actually possible for God's image bearers to dwell with their God. Yet despite Israel's struggles, the temple, like the tabernacle, had great significance and purpose. The temple of God was a place of worship and relationship, and it was a shadow of things to come. In the coming weeks, we're going to do a deep dive into all that the temple of God was for. But for now, we're fast-forwarding to the New Testament and the temple's purpose as a shadow of things to come. This lands us in John with Jesus entering the story of the tabernacle and temple. John 1.14 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Remember those definitions I gave you at the beginning? Matthew 1.23 says that Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus is God dwelling or tabernacling with his people. Later, Jesus refers to himself as the temple and made some pretty mad, some people pretty mad when he said, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. The people had spent years building the temple of God. So how dare this guy say something like that? I mean, who'd Jesus think he was anyway? God? 
But as promised, Jesus died and rose in three days, and at his death, the curtain separating God from his people was supernaturally split in two. Jesus' life and death did what man, what a man-made temple could never do. He made it possible for God to finally tabernacle with his people. But what Jesus made possible was very different from how God used to dwell with his people. God was no longer hidden behind a curtain and separated from his people. He was now dwelling in his people. The temple of God in the New Testament involves God's image bearers being his temple and the spirit of God dwelling in his people. Fast forward again and let's arrive at today. Jesus left earth and said he'd leave us with the same helper he had, the Holy Spirit. And throughout the New Testament, God's children are referred to as the temple of God, the Holy Spirit's dwelling place. Just as the Old Testament tabernacle and temple were designed by God and made according to his perfect design, you were created by God and chosen to be his dwelling place. Just as God's temple was one of the ways his presence was made known, God chose his children to reflect him to the world around us. Our lives should reflect God's presence with us, and instead of people having to travel to a temple in Jerusalem, everywhere we go, God is with us. We're called to make disciples and love like Jesus loved, and when we do these things, We're making God known. My friend, you and I are God's temple. Everywhere we go, everything we do, anyone we're with should be impacted by the presence of God with us. Jesus' death for our sins made it possible for the Spirit of God to tabernacle with us, God's image bearers. You are the temple of God and get to reflect God to the world around you. Again, more on that in the coming weeks. But for today, let's fast forward to the end of time. Fast forwarding, and now we find ourselves with a new heaven and earth, a new Jerusalem, the city of God. But something is very different in this city. There's no temple building, just Jesus and his people. The end of time is like it was at the beginning, only better, as God's no longer dwelling in his people. Instead, he's now dwelling with his people. God has always had a dwelling place with his people. The Garden of Eden, the Tabernacle, the Temple of God, Jesus tabernacling with God's people, and God's people as the Temple with the Holy Spirit tabernacling in us. But the new Jerusalem is different from all of these, so different we can only imagine and eagerly await the day that we'll be face-to-face with our Savior and Lord. Until then, we get to live our lives and reflect God to the world around us. My friend, this is a rich subject, a subject with many layers and lessons, and today we have only skimmed the surface. My prayer is that this little window into what the tabernacle and temple of God are and how they relate to us has piqued your interest a bit. 
at bought at a price. We believe it's important. You know what it means to be the temple of God. After all, if God's word says something as important as this, it might be important to understand what God means, right? This is twofold subject, though, that includes the temple of God and the Holy Spirit. So if you're interested in learning about them both, you're in the right spot. Think about what the physical tabernacle and temple described in Exodus 25 to 31, 1 Kings 5 through 6, and 2 Chronicles 2 through 7. And maybe read ahead and read those chapters. But no worries, we're going to be studying them and connecting them to what it means to us, since we are now the temple of God. Until then, meditate on what it means to have the Spirit of God tabernacling in you. This is an exciting verse, 1 Corinthians 3.16. It says, Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in you? Meditate on that, my friend. And I'll see you back here next week. God bless.